Grab a seat before we let the kids go. And by the way, Miss Erica, she's back there for nursery. And uh, we, uh, if, if, or you're welcome to keep them in here. It's up to you. Uh, how many of y'all, before I let the kids go, how many of y'all know what this is right here? Anybody know what these are? All right. Fidget spinners. Everybody, you, you have one? I, here's, here's the deal, guys. I, I've got three of these that, that Kevin has donated. Kevin, where are you at? Kevin's going to have the kids today. But before I take you back there, hang tight, guys. Before I take you back, I'll let you go back there. Um, I want to give three of these away. And so on the count of three, there's three seats in here that have little red stickers under the seat. So if you're a kid or if you're an adult and you want a fidget spinner, man. All right. So can I have all the kids up here real quick? All the kids come up here real quick. All right. Abel, come on up here, man. Got to give everybody a fair start right here. All the kids up here. <coughs> all right. Pretty cool, huh? All right. So on the count of three. All right. And I do like your patriotic dresses. Happy Memorial Day. All right. So come on up. <coughs> now, I, there's probably adults sitting in these chairs, but you're going to have to look under the chairs. Uh, but I want you to diligently seek under the chair. There's going to be a red sticker like this big. Okay. And so the first three that find a red sticker, you don't have to pull the sticker off. Just raise your hand and let me know where it is. And if you got it, then I will give you a fidget spinner, okay? Are you guys ready? Who, who's in, man? Anybody in on this? All right, you good? All right, <clears throat> on your mark, get set, go! Start looking for them. They're under the seats. They're under the seats, man, under the seats. <coughs> let me know if you find one. <coughs> Let me know if you found You found one? All right, where's it at, bro? All right, so we got one. Come here, Jeffrey. Here you go. All right, Jeffrey got one. Look, look it. I will tell you, the other ones are going to be there. There's one left. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, guys, there's one left. You got one? All right. Here we go. All right, should we give this to your parents? Abel got the other one. All right. All right. Kevin down there. We're good to go down there. All right. Awesome. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. Let me grab my phone real quick. We've had technical difficulties and all kinds of things, but the word of God is going out today, man. And um, it's going to happen. Um, <clears throat> here's the point I want you guys to get today is this, that if you seek God with all your heart, you'll find him. All right. I've heard before people seek God like a bank robber seeks a cop, <laughs> you know, and, and we seek him for what we need. But what God wants is he wants us to seek him with our whole heart. You know, if you need some money, what do you seek God for money? If you've got a health issue, what do you seek God for healing? You know, if you're you're lonely, what are you seeking for? You seeking for a relationship. And that seems to be kind of how we operate with God is that it's rare that we will seek him all the time for everything we we how many of y'all think you got some things taken care of you really just i mean honestly you know there's some things you need but how many of y'all have some things where all right god i got this 
Anybody? I got, I got this. You know what? I can handle this. I know how to cook. I know how to, you know, I know how to do all these different things, but God, I really need your help here. Does that describe any of you? That describes me. And that's not what it's about. In fact, Jesus really kind of summarized it all in Matthew 6, He said, man, don't worry about what you're going to eat. How many of y'all worry about what you're going to eat? You're thinking, yeah, dude, I'm right there with you. I love food. You cannot put any food in front of me that I will not passionately fall in love with. I guarantee it, man. Uh, but he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry. He said, those are the things that the people who don't have me worry about. They're, he, he says, man, every, they're, they're spending all their time, all their effort, and all their energy worrying about these things. He said, I don't, he didn't say he didn't want us to think about them. He said he didn't want us to have them. He said, I want you to seek first. Seek first. You know what seeking is? Did you see those kids running around under the seat? That's how we're supposed to be looking for God, like they're looking for that little red dot. And the prize isn't a fidget spinner, man. The prize, according to Matthew 6.33, is everything we need. He said, but man, don't worry about it. Don't spend all your effort and energy on that. He said, you seek first the kingdom of God. That means making him your king and doing the right thing, which is what your king has asked you to do. And then he said, everything you need will be added unto you. Man, everything. If it's everything, Gary, what else do you need? Do you need, if you need a home, is he going to provide a home? If you need clothes, is he going to provide the clothes? He's not talking about us to be homeless and walking around naked. That's not what he's talking about. And hungry. He said, quit worrying about all this stuff. Quit compartmentalizing your seeking. And, 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 you know, you got an addiction, you want to seek my help for that addiction. You're hungry, you seek my help for food. He's like, no, seek me for everything. And let me provide, because what I can provide for you is so much better than what you can even think of. How many of y'all know that? What he provides when we seek him is better than what we could have ever even imagined and dreamed. Isn't that it? But we got to put it away and quit thinking that there's things we know, things we can do, things we've got. I've got it, God. And God's looking down going, no, I got what I got for you is so much better than that. Your imagination can't even go there. Let me blow you away. Just seek me first. So if you seek God with your whole heart, what's going to happen? You will. You'll find him. We don't have scripture up there, do we? Okay, just that. All right, good. So if you seek me whole, you'll find him. But listen to this. And this is crucial in this day and age we live in. But you don't find him till you find Christ. Man, I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with people as I share the gospel. Man, you guys know our little cards that we have here, right? The little cards, the yellow, and this is how we share the gospel. Yellow rep represents the fact that I've got a home where? In heaven. in heaven. And I have a home in heaven forever. And the black represents what kept me from having my home in heaven, which is sin, sin right? And I couldn't cover my sin, but the red represents the only thing in this universe, <coughs> in any universe, if you believe in aliens, it's the only thing that will cover anybody's sin. And that represents what? The blood of Christ. There is no other solution. God is not bargaining. God does not negotiate with man. When God sent his only son to die on a cross to pay for our sins with his most precious blood and then gave you the desire and ability to accept him. Man, the bargaining's over. There's no other deal. He gave everything he could give, showed the most love he could ever show. And if you reject that, 
You've rejected him. There is no negotiating with God that you've got your own deal. And it seems that in this day and age, man, you can take people up to here. People want a home in heaven. They realize they have sin, but there's so many ways to have your sin taken care of. Or God's just going to ignore it. He made us that way. And he just wants us to get along. And the world's like a bucket full of people. And we try to be good because God's going to make the cut. He's going to reach down. And I know I'm way better than all the... How many of y'all know you're way better than a bunch of other people? And you're thinking, man, when he makes the cut, surely I'm there. <coughs> but that's not how it works, man. Man, that whole bucket by one sin deserves to go to hell. And God didn't want that to happen. That's why he came down. That song that Abby was just singing, what was the line in there about, he'd rather, uh, about heaven, help me out, remember the line in there? Putting you on the spot. Hey, how many of y'all know she's from Alabama? Yeah, did you get that in her accent, she's from Alabama? You, Matt, you got the line in there? Um, he didn't want heaven without us. Yeah, he didn't want heaven without us. So he paid the ultimate price. Now, once we give our lives to Christ, he's left us here. What's the green stand for? So that we, as we go walk through life, we can what? Grow more in love with him. As we don't seek first what we wear. We don't seek first what we're going to eat. We don't seek first where we're going to live, but we seek him in everything. And we watch him work it all out. And we just say, dude, you are awesome. Is that not what you were saying yesterday, Laura? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're saying, yeah, my son's awesome, but, but you even told Sterling, dude, that's God asking, you know. Son, I love you. You're awesome. I love you, but, dude, it's God. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to blow us away so that we will grow more in love with him. And then as we grow more in love with him, what happens? We grow more in love with others. And so in this day, I cannot tell you how many times I've shared this gospel even in the last couple of weeks in sharing this. And, and we get to the part about Jesus. And that's where people kind of freak out. They're like, oh, yeah, I believe in heaven. Yeah, I believe God wants us in heaven. Yeah, I know I'm not perfect. But I start talking about the name of Jesus. And we even saying again how powerful that name of Jesus is. But how offensive that name of Jesus is. Man, somebody told me the other day, I thought they were born again believers. We were paddling and talking and I shared Jesus was someone else that they had brought and they came and they were like, well, I don't really believe that they have to ask Jesus into their heart or have to give their life. Man, you know, they're this, they're this religion and they've got their own way to God. The same way we're being told, whether it's Islam, Hindu, whatever, that we're all worshiping the same God. I'm going to give you a newsflash on behalf of scripture. We are not. We are not. There's one God. And there's one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to me except, through, or come to the Father except through me. So man, if you seek God with your whole heart, you'll find him, but you won't really find him until you find Christ. Uh, we're gonna kind of give a brief summary, because I got my buddy Al here, who's going to uh, uh, kind of share some things that's related to this on how we can help people find Christ. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of start off in uh, Acts chapter 10. Usually we have it up on a screen, but it's not happening today. And uh, I'm just going to kind of read it here off my phone, but you guys are listening. Just pretend we're in like a little living room and we're all together because that's kind of what it's like. Um, this is the beginning of Acts chapter 10, and we're going to go over it even in more detail in the next few weeks. But it starts off, um, starts off with a guy who really was seeking God, but he, wasn't, he, he, did, he didn't have Christ. And so God sent Christ to him. 
And it says, in the very beginning, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Okay, so this dude's name is Cornelius. And uh, anybody know anybody named Cornelius? Okay, now you do. This dude's name's Cornelius. And so the way the army worked, all right, Rome owned everything. And so out of Jerusalem, if this is Jerusalem, you remember Peter went up to Lydda and Joppa, about 30 miles away, and another 30 miles up on the coast was Caesarea. And Caesarea was just a big sin city. It was just a big town that had everything. And now the way it kind of worked with the Romans is that they had armies in place, and Caesarea actually had a place for their army. And their armies, they had a legion, and there were 6,000 soldiers in a legion, all right? And each legion then had 60 cohorts, okay, of, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 6,000, of, of 1,000. And then in each cohort, there was now of what was called a century of 100 soldiers, all right, so there were 100 soldiers under this guy um, named Cornelius, okay? And so Cornelius was a very important man in that area. And Cornelius, um, his gig was this. He, he was living in this sin city, and he had tried all of the religion of the day. When we start reading from the Apostle Paul, you'll find that the church in that day, they did drugs. They had sex in church. They had temple prostitutes. They had all kinds of stuff that people would think would make them satisfied and happy. This guy participated in all of this pagan religion and it wasn't fulfilling. It was empty. It was kind of like chasing a soap bubble, man. Anybody chase a soap bubble ever? Yeah, Karen, what happens when you chase a soap bubble, man? It, it goes, right? You chase it? I watch. Yeah, and, and, and you'll run over everything. You'll run into trees. You'll stub your toe trying to catch it. But once you catch it, what happens? It pops. And that's the way this dude was. Man, he chased after all this religious stuff. He was looking for God. Pascal said we have a vacuum, God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man. And, and we try to fill it with so many things, but the only thing that it can be filled with is God. And so this guy chased after it, and he said, man, this ain't where it's at. This partying, all this stuff, this isn't it. And so he found Judaism. And Judaism was, you know, the Jewish religion of the day. And so he became a devout Jew. And he started worshiping Jehovah God. And, and so uh, look at the next. Well, I can't tell you up there. Look at this. He says, it says in this guy, he was in a, of the Italian regiment. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Doesn't that sound like a pretty, pretty righteous man? I mean, how many of y'all are thinking this dude's like better than you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How many, how many of y'all would say, oh, dude, this guy, we want him in our church. He's saved. He's not saved. We know from this chapter and the next chapter that all this guy's got is religion at this point. And religion doesn't save you. Religion doesn't cut it, man. Um, and so look at what he was. He was a devout man. One who feared God. Are we supposed to fear God? Yes. Now, what does it mean to fear God? Ashley, what does it mean to fear God? Help me out. Put you on the spot. Fearing God. No, who wants to help Ashley out? What does it mean to fear God? Yeah, to respect him. God says, do this. You'd be an idiot not to because he knows everything in the past, everything in the present, everything in the future. And if God said this, you'd be a fool not to do what he said to do. And fearing him is like just whatever you want. That's what I'm doing. Whatever you want, that's what I'm doing. And you just follow him. That's what this guy did as best as he could with the instructions that he had. He took the light he had, he was walking with the light he had, but the light he had wasn't enough to get him to heaven. 
And that's the problem with a lot of people in this world. They've got their own deal with God. They've got some religious light, but they need Christ. Without Christ, you will bust hell wide open, guaranteed, according to Scripture. So he's a devout man. He feared God. Even all of his household feared God. Everybody in his house worshipped God with as much light as what they had. And they gave, he gave alms generously to the people, to the poor people. So he's always taking care of poor people, somebody with a need. So this dude was as religious as religious people get. And look at this. He prayed to God always. Man, that, I, that brought me conviction. I'm not always praying to God. But in spite of all these religious exercises, he didn't have enough to go to heaven. Because you don't get to heaven by all your good deeds. You don't find God truly until you find Christ. And he puts a new desire in your heart to love him. And you need Christ for this to pay for your sins. So he prayed always. And now look at this. Verse 3, it says, about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. So here's this guy. He... Um, uh, is a devout follower, but he's got doesn't have enough for Christ. And by the way, in Romans chapter one, it says that you can go out and look at the ocean. You can look at his creation and you can't deny God. When people tell me they're an atheist, you know what I think in my head? God doesn't believe in atheists. <laughs> there, there's there's evidence, he says in Romans one. There's enough evidence to prove to everybody there's a God. But that little bit of light they have isn't enough light for salvation. To be saved, you've got to know about Christ. And that what Christ did on the cross is payment for your sins. That's just what scripture said. It is that narrow. It is that exclusive. And when we try to make it anything else, we water down the gospel and we do a disservice. Man, by trying to talk people into heaven, by, by man, uh, trying to convince people, oh, you're a good enough person, you're going to heaven just to get them into our church. And so, dude, people die without Christ. They go to hell. And when you go to hell, that is forever and you can't come back. It's one way. But yet we want to make them feel good about themselves while they're here. And I'm not trying to hurt people and make them feel bad. But the truth is they need Christ. But if they're seeking God with their whole heart, they're going to find him and they're going to find Christ. If you want to find him, you're going to find him. So this guy was dealing. He took the light he had and he used it. And that's all we're in. All of us are supposed to do. Whatever light God's given us, use it. Whatever he's letting us see, do it. Whatever he's telling you to go for, go for it. And so here he was praying about the ninth hour. Ninth hour would be three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, the Jews prayed at like nine in the morning, noon, and they prayed at three o'clock. So out of ritual, this guy was praying. And that's what he was doing. And as he's doing it, uh, he saw an angel coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, Laura, you do the best rendition of this. Whenever anyone sees an angel, what do they say? Okay, man, on the count of three, everybody tell me what you see. What do, what do they say when they see an angel? One, two, three. And they fall down. And what's the first thing the angel usually says? Yeah, don't be scared. It's like, dude, it's too late. All right. But so he said, Cornelius and Cornelius, man, I like the fact that God came to him. And that's the way you came to Christ. If you came to Christ, God came to you and gave you a desire and ability to surrender yourself to him. 
But it's two parts, man, and it, one doesn't work without the other, and it's so hard for us to explain. Yes, God's in charge of everything, and yes, God has to start the desire in your heart. You don't muster it up, but yes, you have to accept it. Well, then if I have to accept it, then God didn't give me enough, and you know, there's all these theological arguments that people get messed up with. It comes together. God gives you the desire and ability to surrender your life to him, and you do it. It's as simple as that. And that's what he did with Cornelius here. And we're going to see over the next few weeks as we, um, as we continue to look at the story of Cornelius, how it really all unfolds. But just a couple of thoughts today. Verse 4. And it says, when he observed him, he was afraid. That's what we said. And he said, and he said, what is it, Lord? So he used whatever light he had. And he knew it was God. And he said, what is it, God? What do you want me? What do you want from me? So the angel, which is God revealing himself to him, said to him, your prayers... Your alms have come up for a memorial before God. And so what the angel's saying is God says, hey, I see you seeking me. I see you seeking me. And you know what? The same thing he says to you. He sees when you're seeking him, when you're just looking for him. How many of you have ever looked for him and begged him and cried out to him for answers and he didn't give them right away? Anybody? How many of y'all quit and said, well, forget that junk. No, anybody ever done that? I've done that. <laughs> but I came right back realizing the mess I'd be in. But as you cried and you cried and you were diligent and you were persistent, how many of you finally heard from God in that persistence? Yeah. And that's what he's saying to Cornelius, saying, Cornelius, man, you have been seeking me with your whole heart. You're going to find me. And you're going to find me the real way. You're going to find Christ in all of this. So he said to him, your prayers, your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And the angel spoke up to him and uh, the angel spoke to him, departed. Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from him. Uh, among whom he waited on. I should put my glasses on. And con uh, continually. So when he explained to them all the things that happened, he sent them to Joppa. So here's what the angel said, basically. Hey, next thing you got to do is send some of your guys to Joppa to this guy named Peter. Now, everybody knows who Peter is, right? Hey, who is Peter? Help me out. Who is Peter? You don't know? Who is Peter? Help me out. Anybody? Gary, who is Peter? He was uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, man, head of everything. And they all knew Peter, and Peter was a Jew, all right? Now, let me ask you a question. What, how did Jews view Gentiles in that day and age? Oh, yeah, dude, that was scum of the earth, buddy. You walked in a Gentile, you accidentally stepped on Gentile land and got Gentile dirt on your sandals, man. You were brushing it off. You would not dare even touch the utensils of a, of a Gentile. If you ever used them, your mouth was defiled forever, man. You had absolutely nothing to do with Gentiles. So you see what God's done so far in the book of Acts? First, they're spending about five years reaching the Jews. Then the next few years, they're reaching the Samaritans, which they hated. But God was opening the gospel to everybody. This takes place 10 years after Pentecost. 10 years, not like 10 days, but 10 years after Pentecost. They're finally, now God's reaching the Gentiles, the ones that the Jews despised. They called them dogs. They were the nastiest scum of the earth. You would not want to even, you would go out of your way to just not even have to be in the breath of a Gentile. 
I mean, it was just the nasty of nasties, you know? And so now, when, and they knew that the Jews felt that way about him. So when he tells Cornelius, send some guys up there to go see Peter, it's like, dude, Peter, he's the head Jew. I mean, dude, he's going to hate me more. I'm never going to get to see him. But the bottom line is when you seek God with your whole heart, you'll find him. And when you're seeking God, you'll do whatever he says. And you'll let him deal with the consequences. You know, in his mind, he probably thought they won't accept me. But he said, you know what? God said, do it. I'm doing it. Because he was seeking God. The same way those kids were seeking the little sticker on the bottom of the chair, man. They were seeking it. They were looking for it. And they were on track and focus. And he didn't make excuses. Here's what happens to us sometimes. God says, do this. And we come up with every reason in the world why it can't be done. Man, why? You know what? No, they're not going to do it. No, they'll never listen. He'll never let me in. This will never happen. Blah, 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 blah. And all God wants is somebody crazy enough to simply do what he's asked them to do. Is that not right, my brother? That's how we ended up in Haiti. In the middle of nowhere, we met the minister of the interior. <laughs> that little lady, remember with the little yeah. cigarette holder? We're in the middle of nowhere in Haiti. And Al and I, we're two goofballs that just love people. We're not like the structure people. And we're in the middle. We're like, now what do we do? Literally the middle of Haiti. Nothing around. And all of a sudden, these Pradas and expensive cars pull up. On a, on a holiday, I think it was. And, and they get out, and all of a sudden, this lady, she's like a little lady with a cigarette holder, and she's there, and I'm trying to make conversation. I say, ma'am, do you like, you know, I thought they were Americans that just visited Haiti. Ma'am, do you live there? She says, I have you know I am the minister to the interior of the entire country. And I was like, whoa, we could never have set that up, could we? No, but we were seeking God with our whole heart. And we could have said, well, God, we can't go to Haiti. We don't know what we're going to do. We might end up in the middle of nowhere. Well, we did. We had, we had a four-wheeler we were sharing, right? <laughs> Getting goat poop slammed on us as we're going through mud puddles, man. It was awesome. And, uh, and so, dude, you don't worry about the small stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything works out. That's where Cornelius is. All he knew is God said, do this, and he did the next step. He didn't need to know the whole game plan. How many of y'all need to know the whole game plan before you jump in? Yeah, I think we're all there a little bit. But you know what? As your faith grows and as you grow more in love with God and you trust him, all you need to know is the next step. And he'll take you to the next step. And he'll take you to the next step. And before you know it, dude, you're going to be in your house. <gasps> you're in! Yes! <laughs> but remember when you took the first step? Remember how scary all that was? Remember the obstacle? And like, oh, we don't know it. Dude, just keep walking. Or as Dory would say, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. That's it. Just keep following. And that's what was happening with Cornelius. So listen to this. If you know somebody that's counting on something other than someone other than Christ for their salvation, as hard as it is, you got to have that conversation. That it's Christ. They need Christ. What Billy Graham's wife say, you can no more become a Christian or a, a car by sleeping in a garage than you can become a Christian than sitting in a church. It's the same thing. Man, it, it, there is one way to God. If there was any other way, do you think God would have let his only son be beaten beyond recognition by a bunch of humans and been spit on and made fun of and ripped apart and nailed to a cross. Do you think if God had other options, he would have gone through that? 
Do you think if there were other options, he would have writ, he would have given them to us in the Bible? Yeah. But did he give us any other options in Scripture? No. I am the way, the truth, and life. And today, everyone wants to come up with another option. Every funeral I do, somebody wants me to preach somebody into heaven because they were a good guy. And that may be an indication that they've given their life to Christ, and I hope so. And I'm not the judge, but he is. And what he's looking for is he's looking for someone who surrendered it all to him. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 7 in the church, at the judgment day, there's going to be people getting separated in two lines. And there's going to be a bunch of church people getting put in the wrong line. Or they think the wrong line. They're going to be like, what, 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 God, didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I sing? Didn't I, didn't I? And he says, yeah, you did all those things, but you and I never had an intimate relationship. I never knew you. So be gone. And there's going to be a lot of church people. What it comes down to is knowing that you know that you know that you have surrendered everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him. And you are trusting in nothing else but Jesus Christ in his blood for your righteousness. Your righteousness, the book of Isaiah. You know what he said? He said, just give me your righteous deeds. The best things that you've ever done. Man. Just put them all in a box and give them to him. He said they're like filthy rags. We're in a fairly mature audience here, and I'm just going to tell you the Hebrew of filthy rags was basically what the women used for their menstrual cycle. That's how it translated. They said, you're righteous deeds. That's what they are. And you think you could get to heaven in that? That's why we needed a Savior. That's why we're so grateful that he gave us a Savior. So if you seek God with your whole heart, you're going to find him but not until you find Christ. You've got to have Christ. There's no other way. And the people we share the gospel with, most of us would have shared the gospel with Cornelius and we would have seen everything he did and say, you're good. But you're gonna find out as we go through this story next week and the following week, he wasn't good until he got Christ and neither are we. Now, the next part of it is if you seek God with your whole heart, you'll follow him, but not until you follow Christ. There's a lot of people saying, I'm following Christ, but they're not following Christ. They're following a moral set of rules. They're following what they think is a good thing and what they think is a bad. They're following what they think are Christ's rules instead of what Christ has set up for our life. Hey, who can tell me what our one job is? Make disciples, exactly. That's what Jesus said when he left in the Great Commission. What did he say at the end? He's getting ready to be ascended. And he said, hey, guys, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority. So is there anybody who has any other authority other than him? No. All authority has been given to me. He said, now go make, what's the word? Disciples. disciples. Go make disciples. Those are people that surrender their life to Christ, put themselves under his authority, and they follow him. He said, go make disciples. And he said, baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's where we are in fellowship. That's where we identify with Christ as the universal church under Christ. And he says, and if you don't understand what making a disciple, he says, teach them to observe the things I've taught you. So that's what our life is as we're a disciple and as we're following him. We now have other people in our life and we're teaching them. Ashley, guess what God did to me today? And she's like, yeah, guess what God did for me? Hey, Abby, guess what God did for me today? And Abby's like, well, guess what God did for me today? No. <laughs> say it in Alabama voice. Come on, man. Say it for us one more time. It's awesome. Guess what God did for me 
Oh, now you're trying to like <laughs> Not an Alabama British voice. No, I'm messing with you, Abby. All right, we got it. But yeah, yeah, that's what disciple making is, is where we share with each other what God did. He said, man, teach others to observe whatever it is I've taught you to do. So if we're not getting anything, if we're not following them, how are we going to make disciples? How are we going to teach anybody else anything? That's why we've got to see life from God's perspective before we can help others see it that way. That's what he told us to do. So he said, hey, all authority has been given to me. And under that authority, I'm giving you one job, make disciples. Teach people to observe what I'm teaching you. And he said, just so you know, I'm not leaving you hanging. He said, by the way, I am with you always. He's there with us. He's the one who's equipping us, empowering us to be able to do it. He didn't call us to do it in our own strength. So if you seek God with your whole heart, you will follow him if you're a believer. And um, let you not follow him until you follow what he said to do. It's got to be about disciple making somehow, some way down the line in what you're doing. It's about making disciples because that's what he said. So let's take a look and see what happens simultaneously with Cornelius. All right. A couple more verses. Remember Cornelius? He's trying to follow God, but he doesn't have Christ, and he's praying, and God's fixing to give him Christ, man. At the same time, well, the next day, it says in verse 9, as they went on their journey, and these are the guys looking for Peter, and they drew near the city. Peter went up to his housetop to what? what who's got it, man? What did Peter go do? Pray. Pray. What, what is it that you keep seeing these people who are seeking God? What are they doing? Praying, yes. <laughs> They're praying because that's how you talk to God. You know? You know the difference between worrying? Hey, Natalie, what's the difference between worrying and praying? Who you're talking to. How many of y'all do a lot of worrying in your own head talking to yourself? All you got to do is turn that into prayers, turn it into conversation with God. That's it. And it's the same thing, just bring it into conversation with God. These people who are following God, they're praying. And so it says, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. This is noon the next day. Verse 10, then he became very hungry and he wanted to eat. So Terry, how do you think God's going to speak to him? He's praying, yeah, through food. Has God ever spoke to you through food? Oh, yeah. Anybody else, dude? He always speaks to me through food. Mermaid Cafe, there it is, man. Yeah, he, he's going to come and talk to you in a way that you can understand. A way that you're going to get it. God's not like some guru who's trying to make you figure out this like puzzle, like this little Rubik's Cube thing. God wants you to get it. <laughs> it's not that complicated. But you got to seek him with your whole heart. Not like a cop seeks a bank robber. Not trying to put on a good front. God knows you better than you know yourself, man. You seek him with your whole heart. You fillet it wide open and say, this is who I am. And he's like, yeah, I know, and you need a lot of help. <laughs> Do you say that to anybody else when you look in the mirror? Yeah, dude, that's me. But I'm there. And if I, if I don't admit I got those issues, if I'm trying to be a Mr. Tough guy, if I'm trying to, all right, God, I got it all. The he's like, yeah, go ahead. You just let me know when you're done playing. Let me know. Let me know when you figure out that you're insufficient in all of this. So there it was. He became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were ready, or they were making ready, you know, his food, he fell into a trance. All right? That's happened to me before. I've, I've kind of been so hungry I fell into a trance, but not like this. And so Peter was praying while they're making his food. And look at verse 11. And saw heaven open like, and, uh, 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 saw heaven open in an object like a great sheet bound at four corners. 
descending on him and was lit down to earth. So while he's there praying, he's seeing a vision and, and, and this sheet came down and it was bound on four corners. I'm seeing like little doves flying down with it or something along those lines. It's just coming down, maybe angels. Verse 12, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds in the air. And a voice came to him and said, rise, Peter, kill it and eat. All right. So check that out, man. That's like Matt. Pull. Right? <laughs> but Peter, I want you to get this from his perspective. What's your favorite food, Al? Oh, you like tabbouleh cafe, man. So what, what, if you had a sheet coming down with all kinds of good food, man, what would be on there? A lot of vegetables. A lot of vegetables, man. And you look like it, too. This is what a meditarian looks not, like, brother. This is what a meditarian looks like. That's why we love each other. How about you? What would you have on it? Pizza. Pizza, yes. Dude, we got vegetables. We've got pizza. Well, how about you? What would you like to see on it? You and Matt, man. What would you like to see on there? Maybe ribs. Ribs, yeah. We got ribs. How about you guys? Pasta. Pasta, yeah. Anybody over here got something to add to the sheet? It's coming down. We've got pizza. we got pasta. we got ribs. Chocolate. Yeah, cho yeah dude. Duh. <laughs> There's chocolate. There's all this good stuff coming down that Peter's used to that he's digging, right? Oh, how about you? Alabama barbecue, right? Yeah. I, I, I won't pick on you anymore. Matt's like. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> Deer sucking all right. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you remember I told you, Abby, I said, just like I tell people at church, if we don't scare you off, welcome to the family. All right. I forgot to tell you that, bro. If we don't scare you off, welcome to the family, man. So in all of that, all of this, I still, Matt, can you say it real slow? Because I'm still thinking deer sucking gravy. Deer steak. Oh, deer steak and gravy. Yeah, dude. There you go, man. I can do that, too. How about some nice gobway and kosho, man? You know, some pig and, uh, and goat, you know? Anyway, it's all coming down. But in addition to that coming down, guess what was on that sheet also? There were toads and frogs, and there were cockroaches, and there were centipedes, and there were all kinds of unclean things that were there also. And so as it's coming down, Peter's seeing the good stuff, but he's also seeing stuff that's not kosher, not good for Jews to eat. And look what he said, man. He goes, after God said, Peter, uh, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Verse 14, Peter said, no, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything uncommon or unclean. Now, see, that's why God couldn't use me in that situation, because I've eaten anything that's been put in front of me. But he said, no, I can't. I'm not going to violate the Jewish principles, dietary laws. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to eat only what's good. And listen to what happens. We're in the last couple of verses. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. Listen to this. What God has cleansed, you must not call uncommon or call dirty. Now, he's not really talking about food. He's talking about people. Now, here's the way the Jews view things. We are clean and the Samaritans are dirty. We are clean and the Gentiles, they're beyond dirty. But you know what God's saying? He's saying all of you guys are dirty unless I say you're clean. See the difference? He said, all of you are dirty unless I make you clean, whether you're Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, no matter who you are, whether wherever you're from, you're all dirty unless I make you clean. But he's showing them that through the food. This was done three times. Why did God have to do it three times for Peter? What do you think? 
You and I can relate to this. Why did he have to do it three times? He didn't get through our skull the first time. Yeah, the first two times. <laughs> and the third time, he just kind of drove it in a little deeper. All right, I got it, right? Anybody else have to have God do it three times? <laughs> in three strikes, you're out, right? After that, he just lets you, all right, you're on your own for a while. We'll try again another day. We'll warn you out. <laughs> all right? So three times. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven. So check this out. Here's what... Peter, he was like Cornelius. He was saved already. But Peter was seeking God with his whole heart. Not for salvation, but for what God wanted him to do next. And, and so in that, God was saying, I want you to think differently about how you eat. I want you to think differently about how you're living. I want you to change what you're doing. Anybody identify with that? When you're praying, when you're talking with God, does he ever say, I want something different? And it might just be totally off the wall, totally just whacked. That's how when God called you guys and moved from Palm City, and I'll never forget the conversation, and we're all family. I'm not going to betray any comments, but I just remember y'all had a nice house, everything going, all suburbia, blah, blah, blah. And you were like, yeah, we're just there for the weekends. We have a little place over here for the weekends. Next, they were saying, you know, we were kind of worried about the church, but we think we found a church now, and we love our church, and man, we're thinking about possibly selling the house and maybe living here all the time. And, and you remember those conversations? Was that not off the wall? Did your family not think you were stupid and crazy and out of your, like, what are they doing? You know? And, and yeah, and then it came, you were going to build a house. And God said, no, I don't want you to build a house. And he gave you a beautiful, what? Travel trailer. Travel trailer, fifth wheel. It's awesome, dude. And they got a fifth wheel. They went from a house in Palm City to a travel truck. Tell me that's not insane. Why did you do that? Because God, I know why you did it. Because you were asking me to pray for you the whole time. And God kept showing you and showing you. And I watched him change your plans from the house on stilts to the travel trailer. And Matt making soap and everything. <laughs> Dude, you ever need some good soap? That's the man right there. Man soap, Terry. It's good stuff. But, Yeah. He did some, but hasn't God done that kind of stuff in all of our lives? You know, tell me your life hasn't changed in the last year, Laura. I mean, one day your husband of how many years goes to work? And 33 years. 33 years, and he dies. Oh. Uh, yeah, I was in the hospital that day, and we didn't even think we heard the doctors right. Like, what? Oh, I had to say it. Yeah. What? Where, what happened? We just thought we were going in the next room where they transported him. It's just, but God's got plans. When you seek him with your whole heart, you'll find him. When you seek him with your whole heart, you'll follow him. And man, but you won't be following him until you follow Christ. Following God is not following some little set of plans that you've devised that look godly. And you can mesh those together with your temporal plans and your carnal plans and you get this nice neat little bible belt package where you say here i'm following christ here it is and you know i'm comfortable on all levels because what happens when you're really following christ isn't there a lot of time when you're uncomfortable would you say natalie there's some uncomfortable times yeah but it's on the uncomfortable times that you grow more in love with god because he lets you be in those because you can't find comfort in yourself and comfort in anything else. The comfort's got to come from him. And when you experience his comfort, you know where it came from. Amen? Amen. It's there. So the two things I want you to see is from Cornelius is like, man, you seek God with all your heart, you'll find him. But I just want you to know you don't find him until you find Christ. 
You're not saved until you find Christ. And this world is going to hell right now because Christians are afraid to have the confrontation about Christ. We might share the gospel, which is our one job. And when it comes to Christ and we get some pushback, we're like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, all right, well, if that's what you believe, then go ahead and believe that. And you're just, whoa, I'm glad I believe in Christ. Meanwhile, that person's living a lie. And if they die without Christ, which we're supposed to bring to them, they die and go to hell. So if, but if they're seeking God with their whole heart, they'll find him, just not through you. <laughs> and what a blessing it is when they do find him through you. You seek out your whole heart, you'll find him, but not until you find Christ. But if you're already saved, if you seek God with all your heart, you'll follow him. But not until you follow him and do what Christ wants you to do with him. And that's where kind of bring up my, my buddy up here. And um, he's going to talk about some things that, that we're doing this drift with that maybe you guys, how many of y'all know we have a church in Haiti that we're helping build? And, uh, and uh, yeah, just because we just, and, and a school and these people are awesome. They're my brothers in Batimi. In fact, we used to always, when we went to Debeche, they were a little more conservative. And, and we would always invite these guys because these guys had these big drums. Matthew, you got to come to Haiti, bro. These guys got these drums made out of these big gourds with goat skins, and they rock it, brother. <laughs> you want to learn some dance moves as a man, and they love Jesus with everything. And 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 it's so cool. Ten, you thought if you're familiar with our debauchee thing that we did before and thought that was poor, these people were poorer than that. And now God is blessing them and doing some awesome things. I can't wait for Al. When I saw the picture, I was like, dude, he's got to come here and show us what. God's doing. And we're nothing more than, I think we're just laundering this money, right? Is that what it's called? No. <laughs> it's God's money. <laughs> no, listen, man. No, no. We're doing it totally legal. Oh, there goes our treasure on the corporate papers walking away. <laughs> no, there's not. No, listen, man. It's God's money, but God uses everyone to do something. And I'll just tell you this quickly of how it all came about is Al and I, from that day that we met that lady in the middle of Haiti, and spent six and a half years together going there. How many times a year, man? I went at least probably six, seven times. And I'm looking forward to going again. And would love to organize a trip. He's got one getting ready to go on the 29th. But, man, it's just, uh, Al, come on up here. Just take it over. <laughs> thank you, man. Amen. Amen. So, first off, thank you so much for, for allowing me this time. Holiday weekend. And I know everybody's got lots of plans. Um, Eddie did the my soft. Thank you so much. Um, first off, just being in the, the house of God and, and being with y'all is is, uh, is amazing. And, and uh, my brother here, we've been. Uh, I don't want to go into my story, but about nine years ago, that uh, that radical moment happened for me. You know, addictions um, ran most of my life. Streets in New York, no dad. You know, I was just a. An absolute mess. Anyway, this this man here um, poured. I don't know about a year and a half. We would meet constantly because uh, this this became food, and he taught me how to eat. And uh, anyway, I'm a mess today. <laughs> So he sent me out, so I went to Trenchtown and, and just because I was a, a street guy from New York and, and so he sent me to the prisons, spent a bunch of time there and, and I was running back and forth to Haiti with, uh, with Pastor Eddie and um, 
now I say I'm a mess because he keeps softening me up, you know, because I was that, that whatever I thought I was. And, uh, and these young girls, these young ladies, um, I'm out in this remote part of Haiti. Um, you can't find it. You won't find it on a map. Um, most of the churches that go to places like Haiti, it's scattered. You know, they call Haiti the Republic of NGOs, um, non-government organizations, you know, all these give away for free. Um, we're not there. We're, we're, we're up in the mountains, so remote that you can't find this place, and some of them have never seen a Blanc. It's uh, the Haitian Creole for white. So, um, Anyway, I'm up there and uh, made some relationships over the past, whatever it is, eight, nine years, eight years. Um, so God softened me up. These two young ladies, um, they, uh, their dad was sick, and so they sent them over to Dominican. And uh, he had a surgery. They, they raised some money in this small, very poor community. He came back. Uh, they thought they had done, you know, good. He came back and two weeks later was dead. Um, and uh, the crazy thing about it is um, these two young ladies six months later lost their mom. So now they're in a very poor remote area and, and they, they look just oh so beautiful. But most of the kids, and you'll see some other pictures, this is Sunday. So Sunday they somehow get those white dresses in a very dirty place. Um, <laughs> clean like you wouldn't believe, but these, uh, these two orphans um, are being raised by uh, Madame Pierre. Uh, Madame Pierre has uh, four beautiful ladies that uh, were all grown up, and, and uh, I met Madame Pierre, I said, oh, grandkids, and she said no, and she told me the story. And I just, uh, Holy Spirit just, uh, just wrecked me, uh, as he does, and um, Looking at. Anyway, that's that's one of the things he has me going there for is um, there's there's quite a few kids and children that that have a similar story because it's a it's a rough place, um, you know, as far as living for a long time. So um, anyway, that that building in the back is uh, the church. So um, I was just looking out and and uh, just. My beautiful bride, Karen, the Lord gave me, what, six years ago. This man here married us in our backyard, and uh, she said, look at all the diamonds out there. And um, this is the church and school. So this structure in the back, we do school out of. We have uh, four of these little boards, and uh, you can see kind of the board on one side and then the board in the middle. So as you can imagine, we have couple of chairs and a board and then another board and a couple of chairs and another board and a couple of chairs and uh, it's kind of what we would call grades kind of K through six um, and and we're doing school the best we can um, there's about 150 kids in the community uh, but we can only fit about 30 and as you can imagine as they're getting their instruction they're talking across it's it's not the best but but we do what we can um, so, so during the week, this is uh, school, and then on the the, the weekends and, uh, and and then and the evenings, it becomes a place of worship. So we started building about three years ago. You can see the foundation um, uh, for this new building structure way out in the middle of nowhere, and um, 
That's the pastor standing in the middle of that. There you can see the kids. That's that's kind of what the Timmy kids normally look like. They'll have a pair of pants. This is Pastor um, Lexi. Um, he is uh, an amazing man. He's, he's well-educated. He was in Dominican running business. And um, the Lord called him back to this very remote place. And so he gave up the business, sold. He doesn't have a, 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 a travel trailer. But... Um, <laughs> He worships and, and, and prays, and, and uh, they've been praying for about 10 years uh, for somebody to come. And as I've been going out there, and, and Eddie and others have come out there, and I said, well, how are you associated with other churches? And he said, well, there's a church, because they, they take a collection. And I was just thinking, you know, these people are, they don't have any money. What are they collecting? And uh, he said that they send the money to this town. There's a church in the town. And uh, he said, Albert... He said, you have come to us more than I've seen the pastor in town that we send this money to. And uh, so God's used this relationship in an amazing way. He doesn't speak any English, and my Creole is so-so. Um, but out there they call me Blanc Fou, which means crazy white. <laughs> so as Eddie knows, um, we are the crazy whites out there. Um, so he's, he's uh, with his family, uh, it's very similar to Driftwood, and that's why I picked up the phone and uh, I called uh, Eddie, I, I wouldn't say laundry money, but uh, I said, Eddie, you know, this, these, these orphans are just, they're wrecking me, I, I, they, I just can't, I can't get them out of my mind. Remember this poor place we went to, and right away he went to the food. He remembered, you know, the, the pickleys and the, the, I was like, no, 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 Pastor, let's talk about the church. So um, I said, uh, would, would you help, would you partner with me? Um, this is what I want to do. I want to take that foundation that, you know, I was able to do uh, little by little, and I, I really want to get this project done. I want to get these people a building that the kids can, can worship and, and, and school and, and church. So... Um, this is what we're looking at, guys. This is uh, where we're at. We, we, we have walls. Um, we're going to have a, a section for a, a sanctuary, uh, uh, classrooms down the one side, and then uh, living quarters in the back. Um, we just expanded the plans a little bit. I was just out there, and we, we've got an area that we're going to try to dig a well. We're going to try to find some water. So um, all your spiritual gifts, I'm, I'm doing a shout-out. Um, <laughs> The, uh, uh, we've got uh, a lot going on right now, and this is kind of the, the, the stage of the project's at. Um, and, uh, you know, these are, these are some of the... i got to stop looking at them. Uh, these are some of the orphans, some of the kids that, um, you know, are out there. Um, and they're just amazing, the smiles. You just walk into this town, this area, and the, the smiles are amazing. So, so where we're at right now is uh, I am going over um, on the 29th. So um, anyone, as Eddie knows, we're not the structure guys, although that's what I do for, it's crazy enough that God uses me to build big global companies, but I'm not a structure guy. Um, so the 29th, I've got uh, flights out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, and um, then once you're in country, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll go up into the mountains, and um, then the, the people up there will just take the most awesome care. Um, there's no real structure to the, the trip. We'll come back on the 6th. Um, 
And uh, so the first shout out is if God's putting it on your heart to actually go and see, um, you know, what Driftwood Church is doing. And I just want to make sure you understand it's kind of from God through Driftwood to this very remote place, right? And you say, well, yeah, that, that's the way I would have planned it. Uh, <laughs> sure. So send Blanc Fu from New York City to country, Alabama, right? Yeah, not, not my first pick, right? To, uh, yeah, the Asian nation, yeah. Anyway, it's all God, right? And uh, so that's the first shout out. So if you're interested at, after uh, words, just I'll put my, give you my phone number, and uh, I know it's short notice. First step, uh, I was talking with some folks before, first step is to pray, okay? If, if you're just going to kind of give to the poor kids, I can take you to Fort Pierce, or right now we're in down by Riviera Beach. I do a lot of inner city. If you want to see some, you know, some poor kids, um, there's plenty local. Um, but pray first. Second is passport, and then third, God will give you the resources if He puts the first two on your heart. I, I, I see it every time somebody comes up to me and they say, "Well, I don't have any money." Um, God doesn't need your money; He needs your heart, right? So. Um, I don't know what we have next. We have another picture? Yeah, so, uh, so these are the kids. Um, you see the pastor in the back. The smiles are awesome. Um, they, they love to praise and worship out there. Um, I was just joking with Matt. I said, yeah, praise and worship. Um, when they find out we're coming, they're like, oh, Al, we'll do a revival. We'll do a revival. And um, so what revival means is Wednesday, we take down the tarps that are on the side of that structure and we lay them out on the ground. And we start around 4 a.m. with prayer. And then about 5, the goatskin drums start going and we start praising and worshiping. And um, we usually fall asleep at around midnight and it's just prayer and worship for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday is at Pastor Eddie's favorite day, because that's when we just cook up big pots of goat and pickles, and, and we just have a big feast. So um, um, we're not going to do that this trip, but we will have uh, a lot going on. Um, the young man that's in the front, I was going to read some scripture from Luke, um, talking about you know how you know the good shepherd when he's got the the ninety nine, but one runs off, um, he goes off and he seeks that one. And uh, a lot of times I've seen in churches where they want to get the masses and the programs. And uh, Lord's taught me, you know, it's all about the one. Um, if not the 99. And as, you know, the scripture goes on, it says, you know, that uh, your, your, your father in heaven, he, he, he rejoices more over that one than the 99. And um, so always trying to find that one that God wants you know, to make that connection because that's what's most important. The making of a disciple is not a program, a video, or a book. It's when you actually are ready to die for that other person and that person knows it and they become a disciple through that, not, not programs and books. And, and Pastor Eddie, I'm sorry, I'm a mess today. <laughs> Pastor Eddie somehow saw that in me and, um, and through that discipleship, it was about a year and a half, two years, and something happened, and we, we stopped meeting, but I miss those days. Um, you guys are blessed with Pastor Eddie, you know that. 
But, but my one is the, the, the young man that's in the front. No father, uh, so God always puts some of that likeness uh, so we can relate. Um, poor kid on the streets of uh, Port-au-Prince. Um, his name is Jude Hassan Charles. And uh, Jude uh, came into my life, it's a 10-minute conversation about eight years ago. And um, Jude is going through medical school, and I can tell you more and more about the incredible story. But uh, Jude will be a doctor, a medical doctor, next year as he graduates. He is now doing clinicals, how we got the visa. Oh, okay, it's God. How we got him to the US so that he could do these clinicals, because he wants to be, get this, a neurosurgeon. They, they don't even have an MRI in the whole country, and he wants to be a neurosurgeon, so uh, nothing too big for God. And uh, he is he's now in Texas. Um, <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, anyway, uh, he's, he's my son. He's my disciple. He's, he's, I love him. And uh, he'll be up there. He somehow called me up. He's like, Albert, we've got medical supplies. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we're going to just stick them in the bags and hope we get through customs, um, which is always a sure. And he said, I want to do clinicals. I want to start giving back. And I was like, all right, you're not going to cut any brains open or anything like that. And he said, no. He said, but I want to serve these, these families. He says, I, I've, I've worked, you know, he's uh, a year away. So uh, we are going to have a medical clinic uh, going on. Um, so again, just a shout out there. So lastly would be just to continue to um, pray. I appreciate your time uh, today. Um, pray about Patimi. Um, that's the name. That's what they call this, this local area. Um, just pray. You know, if there is something that you feel you want to get connected, whether it's go on a trip or just support. Um, last time I was out there, they said, Albert, we'd like to be in by November. <laughs> I said that would be divine intervention um, because we get a rainy season where we can't get trucks or anything out there. It's very muddy and remote. Um, but uh, you know, that's what it is. If God's put that in the plan, that's His plan. So we'll just uh, listen. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's what I had to uh, to say. I've got a, um, I think maybe a short short video. And, and uh, Pastor, I don't know if uh, was that sufficient. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Any, I guess before we show the video, any any quick questions that maybe I can answer because it's kind of a, a small informal group. By the 29th, you mean tomorrow? <laughs> 29th of June. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. 29th of June. Um, it's just it's less expensive to fly on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I travel for a living, so I kind of know that um, we, we sometimes go with MFI. If you're familiar with MFI, praise God, they just got their third DC-3 that came all the way from South Africa and they found some engines over here. And Anyway, more God stuff, right? Um, but uh, we're going with commercial just because this team, right now I have a, 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 a dad and two young ladies that are going. Um, Jude's gonna go. Got another young lady that's just got Haiti on her heart. She leaves on the 31st, so I'll pick her up over there. So God's kind of putting together this team, which is always exciting. It's better than the structure. Um, so the 29th, uh, we'll fly out at 6 a.m. And uh, there's a bunch of flights, American, JetBlue, and whatnot. 
and then we'll gather up, and then we'll go up into the mountain, and then we'll come back down on the the 6th of July. So you'll miss out on the fireworks, but we'll, we'll burn some stuff up there and blow some stuff up. <laughs> um, yes? Uh, what, would best, what would be the best way of helping? Helping, yeah, prayer. Um, yeah, no, I don't want to discount it, um, because it's, uh, prayer, is, prayer is the most powerful thing um, that we can offer these people. We could we could build them the building. It's it's all landfill, right? Eventually, it will it will rot away and, and tear down. Um, but the prayer is the most important. Um, the second would be you know your resources. So I mentioned the well. I mentioned the construction we're doing. Teachers, any skills? You know these are people that you know you say oh we'll just sew this. Uh, there's a there's an older lady or her arm is busted here. You know, and you say, well, how did they let that happen? Just, you know, the pain, she can't use it. If they would have just taken a stick and tied it to her arm, she could still use it. So any knowledge, um, resources, right? Uh, you can, you know, the, the collection of clothes and shoes and stuff, by the time I transport it, I pay the taxes, I bring it up the mountain, it's probably better to, to donate funds, and then I can go up there and I can buy things. There's certain things, the quality is poor um, that I bring in, but uh, everything else I try to buy, because there's local Christians in the community that I want to support as well. The, the people that you'll see that are working, these are jobs that they wouldn't have. We do pay. Uh, we pay $5 a day with food, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's like off the charts rich for them and that'll support about 20 people in their house so so prayer first and then whatever your spiritual gifts and resources are um, definitely and I think pastor you know if you write Haiti mission or, or Patimi, um then pastor will it's not money laundering <laughs> um, well pastor will help us get it there we're a vehicle uh, yeah, That's no, and in some parts of the world, money laundering is a legal term in South Africa, but anyway. Um, <laughs> any other questions? Okay. Thank you so much, and um, uh, All right, before we, uh, before we play the video, um, it, it's a pretty short video, but listen, um, we can do this anytime we want. Um, you can go, if God's calling you to do the 29th, that's awesome. But we're a member at MFI, Missionary Flights, and any Tuesday and Thursday they're flying over. And um, once we get this ball rolling, man, you know, you can just take your family and go do it and stuff. But we're going to, uh, if you're interested in doing a trip at some point, let's get together and let's plan it out and let's make it happen. And um, I, I'll, I'll find out the prices with MFI, and I got to work through some details with him. But as he said, God always provides, so we can do this anytime. But I'm just going to tell you what Al and I learned. One of the first things we learned: the most valuable thing we can give them, if we can be there, is not do some project for them, but to really just be there and hang out with them. It gives people so much value that you give them their, your time, and that's kind of uh, just being there and getting to know them. And what I'd love to see is with Potemi, I'd love to see Driftwood develop an intimate relationship with people there, and we can go back and forth as often as we'd like. And, and that would be really awesome, because that's how you find out what their needs really are. First time Al and I went, uh, they, we had two people that were going to go, and they were this clipboard people, 
and they were the people that were supposed to do all the statistics and all of the surveys and come up with all the answers, and they couldn't go miraculously by God's sovereign will. The, they, they had to bail two days before, and the church is freaking saying, what are we going to do with Al and Eddie there? <laughs> and, but we just met people and loved them, and through doing that and developing a relationship, we really found out what they truly needed. And, um, and so, anyways, um, just you can um, text me back and forth, call me, whatever, and let me know what your interests are. But we are actually helping them help other people find Christ. And, um, and these are awesome, awesome folks, man. I'd love for you all to just get plugged in with them, all right? Thank you, Seth. I love you, bro. <laughs> all right. y'all stand and whoever's left let's worship and then we're out of here all right <laughs> but if you have any questions ask al or you can ask me and it's all cool